from the line of best fit. This is Talk The Line. Hi, I'm Jen Long. I've been writing for this lot for nearly a decade and now they've let me loose on their weekly podcast. Every Friday, I chat to an artist, musician or celebrity about their deepest passions. You can follow us on Twitter at Talk The Line and me at Jen Long. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And also just please tell all your friends. So over the last few months, producer Paul and I have realized that one name that has been coming up a lot on this podcast is that of my day in, day out work colleague, my partner in nine to five crime, Mr. Glyn Fussell. And we thought, you know what, let's get him in for a chat because I don't see enough of him all week. Glyn was born in Bristol in the early 1980s to a working class family. When he was young, he wanted to be a rock star, spending his days imagining a different life as a superstar. He moved to Sydney as soon as he turned 18, where he picked up a career as a go-go dancer before returning to London and founding infamous club night Sink the Pink with his best friend, Amy Redmond. Now a quarterly night at the Troxy, as well as an international touring property, it's become a world leader when it comes to off-the-wall fun, queering the norm and the most fabulous performances. On top of all of this, Glyn is the creative director for Defected Records, makes and performs his own music and runs his own agency, East Creative, where he employs me to run his admin. But forget the drag queens and pop stars, Glyn and I will be talking about birds. Of all the subjects in all the world. Didn't think you'd be birds. Well, Jen, I don't think many people do, but I've always loved birds. I've always, since I was really young, um, birds have been my thing. How have I not known this? We work together well, I think because, every day. I know. I think because birds, they're a big part of our lives. <laughs> and I, it's something, also, it's not very cool, is it? It's not very cool to turn around to people and go, hi, my name's Glyn. I do this, I do that, I do that. And I also love ornithology. Um, twitching, I love birds. People don't, it's not just, it's not the good thing. It's not cool. Well, I suppose like, um, oh, okay. So, you know Bird World in Hampshire? I've never been, but I know of it. Okay, also, so I no, wouldn't be into it because it, I don't like birds in one place. Okay. That's, but but I like birds you, in the wild. If you, if you look on the Bird World website, yeah. and you know I've been trying to, I've been trying to organise an office outing to Bird World since I started working with you. Yeah, yeah, I do know this. no one ever wants to No, I, I was into it. I mean, cause, <laughs> just because I heard birds and I was like, yeah, even though I didn't really know what it was. So if you go on the Bird World website, yeah. they actually have a section on their website that is famous people that have been to Bird World. Oh, I love anything like that. My favourite pubs are when you go to a pub and they've got pictures of, of, <laughs> of, of the, the landlady, because there's always a landlady that's celebrity obsessed, right? <laughs> that runs a pub. There's one in Hampstead and there's a picture of them with Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee. <laughs> How would you not steal that? But they're always behind the bar because you would obviously steal. You would so steal, steal that. that, yeah. But if you go on the Bird World website, it's got all the pictures of celebrities. Who's been? Well, it's like Bill Oddie. Mm. John Craven. I don't Rudd Hole's been, because Then at the end, Mel B. Oh, Mel B went to Bird World. Mel B went to Do you know why that is? She's got a daughter called Phoenix. There's a bird, that's a bird. That's a bird reference. It's a bird reference. Is it a real that's bird? You can it's not tie... a real bird though, is it? No, but you can tie everything back to a bird. <laughs> you know where you are with a bird. <laughs> where did, yeah. When did this bird obsession start? Okay, so I think- Oh no, no, wait, let me rephrase that. When did your bird obsession grow wings? Oh! <laughs> 
Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much you can do with a bird. I think it was where, where, where I grew up, right? I grew up in working class, very... Um, so I grew up in inner city Bristol, and it was, it was on the edge of the city, but you could see the countryside. And um, I grew up, I'm one of seven kids, and there was, it was, I always, there's some, because I, I, I've actually thought about this, I thought about the psychology of why I'm so obsessed with birds. And I think a lot of it was actually just because I wanted to fly away. I know that sounds quite deep, but it literally was that. And I used to look at these birds and I was always really, really obsessed with birds. And I, I remember it being a thing when I was younger because I get really excited about birds. And my brothers would just like be like, what, what are you on about? Because they like skateboards or, you know, my sister's <laughs> like new kids on the block. My thing was birds. So um, the one thing I used to like originally was this, it was it started with the sound of birds. Now, when you're down in my mum and dad's house, the sound is wood pigeons. You know that really lovely? Yeah. A cooing. A coo. Still to this day, there's nothing that sends me to sleep faster than a wood pigeon because it makes me think of my parents' house. Um, now, my, the thing for me, the sound is a moorhen or a coot. Mm-hmm. which for most people is their idea of hell because yeah. they're the most <laughs> annoying sounding birds ever. But I find it calming because I guess birds make me, feel of, make me think of home, but they also make me think of all the things that I like, which is travel and flight and moving on. And I, I just, there's nothing I don't like about a bird. What about the call of a seagull? When Even, you're, when you're, no, when you're no. By the, ah, 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 that one. No, still love it. I mean, I've got to be honest, there's a few exceptions to the bird rule that fill me with dread, but does it mean I'm, um, I'm less amazed by... What are the exceptions? A seagull. Did <laughs> <laughs> you know, an inner city seagull, fine, can deal. Mm-hmm. It's when you go down to the coast and those buggers, oh my God, the seagulls there, they're, the, they're bigger than a swan. I mean, that's me exaggerating, but they're big. No, they're huge. They're very big, they're very scary, and they will come for you. So a seagull, I mean, I like the way they, uh, they're amazing. And I like the sound, actually. The sound of a seagull makes me calm, which is weird. But I don't, they they scare me. Um, Feral pigeons, Mm. unfortunately. And the bastard for me of all the birds is one magpie. Just because also, equally with my bird obsession comes a superstition obsession, which is one I didn't want to have. So when I see one magpie, I do very often spend a lot of my time I live in Clapton. There's a lot of magpies there. Really? Yeah, because we're by Lee Valley Nature Reserve. Well, I mean, and also because everyone birds. in Clapton is a little bit on the rich side. Lots of shiny things. Yeah, well, I never thought about that. But there's also <laughs> lots of... I tend to... Try, if I'm walking through Millfields Park, which is near me, I keep my head down, I keep walking because I'm worried that I'm going to see one magpie, which means that if I do that, I'm going to have a terrible day at work. Which sounds so <laughs> stupid, and I'm equally as angry at myself. Can we just can we just remind everyone that you work with me? Yeah, but also, <laughs> yeah, which means it's never going to be a bad day. Thank you. But I just and, and then if I see two magpies, I I will literally jump in the air. Do you, what's what's the what is the rhyme? One for one sorrow. for sorry, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told. So there you go. Have you ever seen Seven? I have, and I can tell you where. So, 
John and Sally next door, when in my mum and dad's house, they built a pagoda. A lovely pagoda. Now, nothing used to grow up this bloody pagoda, right? My dad's garden is lush. It's full of gorgeous, like, climbers, and it's wonderful. John's just nothing never used to seem to grow. One day, I got up, this is no word of a lie, look into the back garden, and there were seven magpies on the pagoda. Seven for a secret never to be told. I think he's buried someone there. <laughs> I think it's a bit like in Brookside. Do you remember when Anna Frill, Beth Jordash, she was buried underneath the bloody patio. I swear, I went running downstairs. Mom, Dad, John Ranahan. Oh my God, I'm calling him out. So sorry, by the way, John Ranahan, if you're listening, but John Ranahan's buried someone underneath the patio. And they're like, what are you on about? So I tried to explain this for a long time, but it never made any sense to them. But, you know, no one's ever dug that patio up. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I will say that the, the mag... Uh, they're not there anymore. Maybe it was just a hallucinogenic time in my life. Maybe they never existed. So what? how have you indulged your obsession? What have you well, kind of done? Or have you studied birds? Have you, gone, have you ever gone bird watching? And what do you... I feel like, to me, it's like train spotting. Where I'm like... Well, this is it. Right. Okay, so I would like to just put this out there. There's very different... There's a couple of different things here. You can have a love for birds. You can, you can be a bird watcher, a, a twi- twitcher, twitcher. What's it called? A twitterer, twitterer, well, twitcher. Well, that's like twitter. It's a twitcher. twitcher. Now, the idea of going somewhere and, I mean, I, you've known me for a long time, Jen. You know I find it very hard to sit still for more than 20 minutes. So the idea, oh, of, God, yeah. the idea of laying there with a pair of binoculars to look for, um, I don't know, a heron, are we going to find a heron? I don't know. A stork. Something. I don't know. A bird. That is boring as hell for me. Like, not enough twiglets in the world, in the, the snack box, are going to keep me there. For me, what I like is the opposite of that. I don't want to be in one place. I love, whenever I go travelling, and I love travelling, and that is why birds will always be better than humans, is that we always go, humans are superior race. We can't fly. We don't see the world. We don't see the world from in that way. You know, birds are just, they were around, they were, they, dinosaurs were apparently linked to birds. Birds are everything. They are everything. They've been there, they've done that. They're the most fascinating thing. They, whenever I go to a new country, that's the first thing I always look out for. It's like, well, I wonder what birds they've got here. Always, that's my thing. I don't know where the fascination comes from. I guess there's, there's a couple of things, right? One of the things is that I love facts. Now, if you're looking for facts, I'm sure you've had loads of people on this show. I mean, I don't know. Like, what are the facts that you can give about, I don't know, what, Jen? What's someone done here? Uh, Martin McCutcheon. Well, there, there's a lot of facts there. We love there, her. But there's Henry a, VIII. Yeah, but they're limited, they're limited facts, you know? Okay. With birds, there's... Always, it, we're even still discovering new breeds of birds, right? That's okay, I see what you mean, right here. Now, you will never tire of the amount of facts that you will find from birds, and they're the most fascinating creatures. And you can't, but a bird is not just a bird, it's just a sea of knowledge. Well, give me some of your favourite bird facts. I was hoping you would ask me this. Okay, okay. so, oh God, this is going to go on, this bird fact no, thing. No, that's Because this is the thing I like the most. My favourite of all the bird facts is, is one that I feel scientists and the human race need to learn about because I think the, the biggest problem in our world right now is our breeding. We just breed and we breed and we breed and there's too many people. Now, 
the one animal in the world that's, that's genetically modified itself to, uh, that we could learn from is the mallard duck, right? Mm -hmm. This is fascinating, Jane, you're gonna love this. So the mallard duck used to, as with a lot of females of the species, they get raped. They get constantly um, impregnated and attacked sexually by the male of the species, and there's nothing they can do about that or control their reproductive system. So what inevitably what happens is they end up getting pregnant, right? Mm. The female mallard duck has developed a second womb. It is genetically over time, this is no word of a lie, has developed a second womb, and now genetically has the power to decide where the male mallard duck's semen goes. In, in, in its head. Mind. So it can say, do I want to get pregnant? Do I not? Does this mallard duck have a good genetic pool? Oh, I don't like the way his feathers look. Oh, they look a bit shabby. I'm going to put it in my false womb. So the female mallard duck has a false womb. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, but is that... That's amazing. I know. But don't you think that if we studied that, like if you think about all the problems where contraception is a problem, if we just studied the female mallard duck... Women would have the ability to decide, you know, imagine a night out after a bit too much on the booze and they go, oh, jeez, I regret that one. <laughs> reverse, reverse, <laughs> reverse the, that, you know, the, I love, I love the, the kebabby sex. I love that you're just saying right now that, <laughs> that evolution just depends on whether we think about it. Yeah. Just or have a think about it. Just listen just to think, the mallard Do I dog. want a false womb? Yes or no? Yes. All Concentrate right. on that. Two generations time, you'll have it. Exactly, but I just, there's a, I think that's the most fascinating thing ever. Now, it's not the only other creature, by the way, just to let you know, that does have more than one womb. The kangaroo also has three. No, sorry, the kangaroo, kangaroo has three vaginas, I believe. <laughs> no, listen, I don't, birds I'm up with. I'm not up with kangaroos. Actually, I don't want to go Marsupials. there with kangaroos. No idea. Back it up. <laughs> the kangaroo has three something. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me think about other ones. <laughs> Should we edit that bit? Yeah. Okay. No, let me, let me think about... This is one of my favourites. So, there's... Um, kangaroos do have three vaginas! There you go! So, we've just oh. looked. Kangaroos do have three vaginas. See? I'm, we won't edit that. Okay. Kangaroos. So, a, this is one good, of my favourites. I know, exactly. And I love facts yeah. so much. Um, one of my favourites is there's a, a thrush called the Bassian thrush. Have you ever heard of that bird? I thought thrush was something you didn't want. No, this is a bird you would want. So the Bassian thrush is, main, is, is an insect eater, as a lot of uh, thrushes mm. are. But, but its favourite is the worm, like the, the, the earthworm, yeah? Yeah. So it, it, over time it's developed this technique where what it does is it farts. This is no word of light. It uses its flatulence to penetrate the, the wormhole there's, and then and then basically the worm gets confused by that. Oh my god, what's all this air? Forces the worm out of the, the hole and then the thrush eats it. Oh my it. god, it gasses them out. It gasses the bloody worm out the hole. That's amazing. Isn't it though? Yeah. How do these animals I know, but this is exactly out? my point. Right, how you know, you think about the, I mean I, thought, I say I that about the, the human race. Like... How do we figure it out? We are in a building. So we figured we're, we're, a lot of things out. We're in a building out. recording a podcast. I know, but we figured quite a lot out. I know, but it does I just it's so fascinating to me how I mean, especially the, the mallard duck. Yeah. It's got a new bloody it's got a false womb, a prosthetic womb. 
for like the disco. Well, it's got a disco like womb. It's well, no, it's, it's got a real. false disco womb for when it goes out and it's feeling a bit fruity. <laughs> and then one for, one for settling down. <laughs> one for the mortgage, one for the, you know. One for your 20s, one for your 30s. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, the, that's that. This is a good one, right? So budgery guards. I love a budgie do. Yeah. Now, I remember my auntie used to have budgies, which I, by the way, birds in cages, I, I hate that. But it was a very 80s thing. Can you remember? Like my, um, my well, just not even just my auntie, but I remember lots of my mum's friends would have budgies or parrots or parakeets, well, tropical there, birds. Isn't there like a thing in East London where there's the, those green birds that you see around oh, the world they're I'm, not supposed to be in? Well, no, I can tell you about those. Okay. So they're green parakeets. Now, what happened with them is, um, and there's a lot of those near me, actually, and I was telling, I've told so many people about this, they're masters of disguise. So unless you live somewhere or you're really clued up to what's going on above you in the sky, you don't really know they're there, but they are there. And obviously the beauty of the green parakeets, you don't see them unless mm. they're out of the tree line. So what happened with them, that it, there's many different stories, okay? But the story that I, I've, I've found to be true after speaking to loads of people about it is that in Hampstead, uh, in I think it was in the late 90s there was a movie where on the on the heath they needed parakeets there was something where they needed to release these parakeets and then the parakeets they just presume would die off because they're not native species right yeah some of them nature found a way in the words in in, in Jurassic Park um, wording so it, exactly so these parakeets find a way to acclimatize so much so that they start breeding successfully on the heath yeah so beyond that they then spread they're now in richmond park mm -hmm. they're now all over there's they're in victoria park they're down near yeah, me i saw some outside my house the other day i know so this is the problem now is that the rspb have to go around and monitor parakeet eggs and they have to remove them they have to remove them and destroy are they, them. Are they hurt, damaging They're the damaging species? local species, yeah. Ooh. So, oh my God, this is so exciting, Jen. I'm getting to talk about birds. It's great. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> I never get to talk to someone about birds. I could go on and on. I also, I, I, we've worked together pretty much every day for six months, but I've never heard you talk about I this. I love birds so much. They just fill me with so much joy. Don't you just wish you were a bird? I'm just fly. Like, I'm, I'm like, like a bird, bird, I only fly away. <laughs> <laughs> so, the parrot, yeah, the, yeah, those green parakeets, um, they are very, very noisy. And they are, they are, parakeets are bad out because when you take a, a foreign species and put it in, like, with our birds, they they bully them. They're really bully. Apparently, they, they just terrorize the local birds. Um, but they look goddamn beautiful. <laughs> so what can you do? What can you do? I'm still going on my um on my facts, bird facts. If you wait, want to wait, know. What we want? What one? I was on budgies. Budgies. Tell budgies. us about budgies. So it's weird, don't you? You know, because budgies. If you think about that, if I think about the most '80s pet, I think a cockatoo or a budgie is yeah. pretty out there. So I I I don't know why I I grew up in the I do know why I grew up in the '80s of my age but <laughs> <laughs> would be a telltale sign but my mum's i feel like my i just feel like i grew up in the 80s on acid you know everything was like hyper so my mum's friends all had these budgies and also because they all did what the other one did as well because that's what we did in bristol 
but my mum's had friends, they all had these budgies. Now, I used to love budgies, but it's really cruel, budgies in cages. Don't you think it's really... Well, I think any animal uh, in a cage feels... But birds, a, but an animal, I, a fly. Yeah. It, yeah. it just, and I... But it just, I think because we both grew up in the 80s, it's, yeah. it, it kind of normalised it because a lot of people did have birds in cages. Because I think it was... Tanks. Yeah, but like, I think that that was the last... Now it's tiny the, dogs like, in handbags. That's right, the, but at least they have a certain level of freedom. <laughs> but, but, but back then, it was... It was the tail end of uh, the glory, the glory days of catching something and zoos and all of that stuff. Mm. And budgies felt like you could own a little bit of that, you know. Right. However, this is a great fact about budgies: that budgies, they 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 contagiously yawn. I know you're like, what the hell? Yeah. So budgies, when they are together, um, they're the only bird. They're the only bird that does this as well. Is that they and and I and when I say this to you, if you ever go to a zoo, I, I refuse to. But if you did, and you saw budgies, they you would they have budgies in the zoo. They do have budgies. Do in they? A, yes, they also have budgies in. Where did I go recently? I don't know. Some sort of aviary somewhere. It was an outdoor aviary in the Cotswolds. It was somewhere very bougie. I was drinking an espresso martini, so I know it was bougie. But <laughs> this is where I found out the fact. Is that this? Okay. These I was like, why are those budgies doing this? They were all like opening in unison their beaks, and they were yawning contagiously. And they do it as a social. It's a social thing. Apes do it. Um, rats also do it. In I think we do it. We do it. We Humans do it. do it, and rat um, lab rats do it. It's to it's it's a, it's a sort of level of communication and and I don't know why why do we do it? But like, why are yawns contagious? You know, like when you yawn and someone else know. goes, oh, you've set me off now. Like, how, I don't is, think, how, how I don't have I think, set you off? Well, the yawn isn't the contagious thing. It's about the wanting to connect, isn't it? So is it like, because um, there's, uh, someone was telling and me about how... budgies just want to connect. You know, when, you know when you start talking to someone, like we, we just had a chat with someone from Australia. Mm. And do you ever find when you're talking to someone with a, a, a certain accent, that you pick it up. Oh, I used to do that a lot. And you start like mirroring, like when I was mimicking my, it. Oh, when I was in my twenties, I used to do that all the time. And I think that's about wanting to be liked and wanting someone to like you. And so you apparently it means you have... Um, Go on, tell me. It's going to be something really, really... High social skills and a musical ear. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would take that. Because it's like, it's your so social skills that you're trying to like, almost acclimatize yourself yeah. with the other person, make them feel comfortable by by mimicking them so yeah. much that you you kind of feel like if you and I think have a similar accent they'll feel more at yeah. home and then yeah um, musical ear because obviously you can pick up what they're yeah they're, I mean intonations the, I took I, I don't do it as much I realize I used to do it all the time and I used to do it a lot because I traveled it's easier to do it in London because all that's what you're constantly meeting right you're constantly meeting people from different places and you're constantly meeting people full stop. So sometimes that becomes your instant relatable thing is that you hear their accent and so you want to reach out to them and maybe relate to them. Mm. I don't know, I'm just a bit antisocial and old these days so I don't really <laughs> care. hear a different maybe, accent, maybe, I'm like, I know where you're from. Maybe that means like super sociable. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just fascinating because you think the size of a bird's brain and we always think of birds, you know, we think of us as highly evolved. Yeah. We think of apes, to be honest, as highly evolved. How is a budgie? You don't think of a budgie as highly evolved, so how is that budgie doing that socially? 
It's amazing. We underestimate the burden. It feels like you're like about to go, about to throw yourself into some sort of they will take no, over theory. No, I just, I just don't, just don't, you know, I back the bird. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't think, it is, they can fly. I'm just, I keep saying it to everyone, they can fly. And that would be amazing. And also, imagine being a creature where, I know for me, it would be an incredible thing that, you know, you see a bird here. I'm not talking about a pigeon or where I live, for instance. It's right by Lee Valley Nature Reserve. I had a woodpecker. I haven't told you about this. No. I had a bloody woodpecker on my balcony. I cried. <gasps> I was so overwhelmed by it. And I just froze in my front room. And I was like, that's never a woodpecker. But this is the bit, worst bit. I didn't, you know, you can tell the shape of a woodpecker. Because, like, you, you know, like, you can just tell. Oh, you just know it. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, of course, me. of course. So, but I didn't have my glasses on. I didn't have my contacts on. Oh. But my glasses were over on the table, out of arm's reach. And I'm thinking, if I move, that bloody woodpecker's going to leave. And I'm not... So I was trying to sort of do like a little side, I'm going to get to glasses. Yeah. Anyway, got to the glasses, the woodpecker stayed. It just wasn't even that bothered. It felt oh. much like a robin. I love that about robins, you know? I love robins. Yeah. I feel, a, I feel a big connection to robins. And I don't know if it's because... I mean, this is a slightly weird one, but where I live in Bristol, my neighbourhood is the Robins because we are the, the Bristol City Football Club's area for soccer fans and their, their emblem is the Robin. Okay. And because I went to a really chavvy school, we used to always have to sing, when the red, red Robin goes bob, bob, bob in a long journey, that song? Yeah, of course. And I thought that was a hymn. But actually... <laughs> I thought that, growing up, I thought that was a hymn, but it actually turns out it's just a, a chavvy school. Amen. Yeah, it's a chavvy school sort of, dad knows it, you know, because what we say, where, where, where Robin goes, Bob. So I thought, so I was always connected to Robin. Because when I was in Cardiff, we were the Bluebirds. Oh, is there a song for that? Go on, you Bluebirds. No, 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 at least we had a pretty no, song. Yeah, you had a nice song. Um, do, do you want to know more bird facts? Keep going, keep so going. So the... An ostrich. Okay. Right. Just because I love birds, by the way, I want to point this out. Is I'm also a little terrified of them. So there's this real um, underlying fascination with them, but it comes a little bit from fear. Especially because when I was eight, so when I was eighteen, I moved to Australia. Now that was I. I loved birds before that, but only on a level that you could love birds when you grown up in Bristol so you'd what, what, what I've had to see so ducks or some swans I mean I love swans but you know they weren't exactly in my back garden yeah yeah very but robins wood pigeons rowdy rowdy rat right so then I moved to Australia now you've been there right and mm -hmm. I moved to Perth I was 18 and I was just like and I remember there's a I have many that's when my birds my bird obsession just went tenfold a hundredfold got really, really like, wow. I remember I moved in with my sister and she lived on the outskirts of Perth in this place called Thornley. And it was really, really like Kath and Kim, provincial, you know, backwaters, everything looked the same. And um, it just wasn't how I imagined in my head, how I'd romanticized Australia to be. So I move into this, this place and I'm like, oh God, this is not, exactly a dream <laughs> and I moved there to come out right I didn't realize it at the time but I think subconsciously I had 
Now this is so corny, but I always tell this. And then I was in my sister's and I stayed there, got up the next morning, I slept on this monster sleep because I was really jet lagged. When I woke up the next morning, went into the back garden, walked into the back garden, rump, this tree sort of shook next to me and out this tree came this flock of rainbow lorikeet. Now, have you ever seen a rainbow lorikeet? No. So they're, they're native to very few places, but Perth is one of them. They are very sociable. They live in trees all together. They are the loudest birds and they are the most beautiful parakeets you'll ever see. And they, when they fly together in the sky, it's like a swarm of rainbow. It's so beautiful. And I, honestly, I remember thinking, well, that's a sign. And it's that crazy. I remember thinking, that's the gayest bird I've ever seen. Like, I didn't even know really what gay was, but I, I honestly, and when I think back now, and it, people, it's my favorite bird, by the way, rainbow lorikeet. When I look back now, I go, those rainbow lorikeets, they were bloody sent to me as a sign. Anyway, there was a reoccurring theme that went through my entire trip of Australia, and that was birds, because there's a lot. There's so many. Right. And they're amazing. And, and they're so varied. You've got the land birds, you've got poisonous birds. What are the ones with the really long, curvy kind of beaks? They're black. Um, well, they're, um, they catch oysters, don't they? They're... Oh, Jen, oh my God, you're testing me. Sorry, I just remember seeing them in a tree like the first time I ever went to Australia. I was in Brisbane and my friend Michael and I went to this park and there were these birds and we're like, oh my God, what are they? They I mean, look is, like dinosaurs. Yeah, this is, this is, this is very interesting you should say that because that's exactly what I feel is that the birds in Australia are the most connected to the past. Yeah. They feel like relics from our past. So even the wildest birds that... So when I was... I went to Byron Bay the other week, to, uh, the other week, other year, to visit my friend. And we were... Um, me and my friend decided that we were going to climb this, this mountain called Mount Warning. And she was like, just watch out for the birds. And I was like, what are you on about? She's like... clues in the name. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we start climbing and there's these birds. And I'm like, oh my God, what's that? She's like, stay away from it. So it's a thing called a bush turkey. <laughs> There's nothing glamorous about it. There's now, so I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> Trying to get this thing to come close to us. And it's just like foraging along. And then, I don't know what it is about a, a bird in Australia, but they attack me. They always, the rainbow lorikeets, no exception. But every <laughs> bird since has attacked me. So these, these um, but this bush turkey just comes, making the weirdest sort of guttural, no, like, sort of voice. <laughs> this noise from his throat, and he's got these stupid piss-poor wings. Not, you can't even call them wings. I mean, they're like wing thoughts. They're just fancy arms. Yeah, no, not even, the, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, just thoughts. like bits of chitlin hanging off its side, and it chortles towards me and runs. And I, I cacked my pants, basically, and start running. And, and you can swear. I shat my pants <laughs> on a grand scale. And we were running, we were running through bush. She's like, why am I running? I'm not even scared of it. I was like, what? how big is this bird? Probably the size of a, it's a like, larger turkey. But it's, listen, when a bird, when in a foreign land, making this sound, is running after you, 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 you get scared. And this is a reoccurring theme. When I went to a place, there's a place called, um, Monkey Mire, right, which is on the west coast of Australia. I went there when I was ages, like, I thought I was like 19, 20. 
Now, over in Australia, emus and ostrich, they're everywhere, right? So mm -hmm. they have an ostrich farm because they farm the meat. But yeah. they also do this thing called ostrich racing, so you can climb on the back of the ostrich. No. Yeah. And, and they're the fastest bird. The, the fastest bird. The ostrich also has the largest eye of any other land animal. <gasps> it's bigger than its brain. That says a lot. And what? that is, yeah, massive, right? So it can see you fucking getting on. And they stink. They stink. <laughs> no, like, they're annoyed at life. They're annoyed at life, right? Because they can, they're the all-seeing eye, but their brain can't compute what they're even seeing. <laughs> they're very territorial, right? They're very territorial. But for some strange reason, I thought to myself, yeah, well, let's get in with this thing. And they're, they're trying to put... I, st I still, when I look back, I go, I've often questioned, were we trying to ride ostrich? Were we? Did I imagine it? Was it a camel? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I'm sure it happened. Anyway, this thing... Is, all I remember is all of us screaming and running and this thing running after us and they are so scary <laughs> they are the scary and once they've got a bee in their body like this thing was pecking it's it was pecking terrifying terrifying ostrich. we got out the fence and even then it's still pecking it's pecking at the fence for it's like a velociraptor so you, get, you got and it, on its back well no we couldn't but we were trying to Someone scammed me. That wasn't a thing, was it? I think I paid for that as well, actually. Oh my God, I just have visions of you next to this fence, this ostrich going for you. There's like, clever girl. <laughs> clever That's girl. exactly how it felt, like a velociraptor. When I was in Sydney the other day, they got beautiful. Have you ever been um, down on Sydney, um, right on the river, by the Opera House, all along there is a beautiful natural, national park. <gasps> oh, yeah, where they have they the bat. They've got bats, but they've got beautiful... But those bats are like a, a terror, aren't they? They're not supposed to be there. No, they're not. They're <coughs> and they've stuff. also got white cockatoo. So it's like um, it's like a botanical garden. Sydney Thank botanical you. Garden. It's a Sydney botanical garden. So I was there, and they've got these wonderful white... Um, white... They're, oh God, what are they? White cockatoos. So, you know, they're really big. Yeah. They're really loud. One thing I learned when I was there the other year, and I was just sat there having a picnic, I looked around, and I was like... What is, what's happening over there? There's like this sort of cockatoo soccer match. They're all having a lovely, well, they're all being very loud. Anyway, I looked over, I, I got a bit closer, but I was very cautious. They all left, all the white cockatoos. And then I see this one little bold cockatoo. And they'd all attacked the runt of the litter and plucked all its feathers out. And, um, and I remember it, it ruined two days. I cried. So <laughs> I basically cried for the whole day because birds are bloody mean, you know. But it's okay because you took it under your proverbial wing. I didn't know. And you raised it as I, your own. I tried. I, and that, I didn't know what to just, do. Just, just no, I tried indulge to Indulge me, indulge me. Uh, and that cockatoo is now living a wonderful life. That cockatoo as is an now an alternative a, dancer. It's now a drag queen <laughs> in East London. Yeah. Performing at the next Sink the Pink yeah, on the 23rd is. of September. But this cockatoo, it really <laughs> caused me no amount of stress. I didn't even meet my friend. I was supposed to meet my friend that night for dinner. Cancelled. Anyway, I found a park ranger who said he was going to save it, but he said it was normal practice and that it didn't matter what he did, the cockatoo was going to die. He said that they would always attack the weak. That's mean, isn't it? Yeah. I still love birds. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say earlier when you were talking about robins, robins are actually fiercely territorial. Yeah, they are. And which um, I had no idea because I, whenever you well, know, you I, you know I love, you know, well, you know, I love a trip to the allotment. Yeah, I do. 
Have you got so one at the allotment? I've got two robins, and I thought they were pals because you always see them together. Mm. There's a slightly chunkier one and the skinnier one. Yeah. And they always come together to my plot when I've like uh, I've <laughs> what, been the Laurel up. and Hardy of, of robin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I should call them. Yeah, you should. And so I'll have like dug over a bit of earth so they'll know there's like some fresh bugs on the surface. Yeah. And they'll come, and I thought that they were having a little chat with each other, going like. No, they'll be fighting. No, yeah. they are literally like, fuck off, it's mine. Yeah. I love the way that... Just... What fast... Birds are so, like, right, robins. Mm-hmm. They've got such chubby... It shouldn't work. You know, that body is like an, it's like an onion budgie. And then the, if you look at the legs of a robin, they, it's not even like toothpicks. It's like wire. Yeah. How the hell... Can it stand? Well, it's like when you know you genetically, just, you know, it just shouldn't. You know the like phrase "sparrow legs." When you um, when you see, I mean, it's usually I say see, but it's usually on the internet. But like guys who don't do legs. Oh yeah, legs, yeah, yeah, yeah. From who the just like the gym pump working muscle out. in the gym, and their upper bodies are like just triangles, just and then their legs like tiny little How twiglets. does it work? Yeah, birds never fail to amaze me. And then you discover a new species, and you're like, wow. How was that? What's the most fascinating new species that you have recently discovered? Well, I'm really into, you know, I think that I really, there's a, that, personally, obviously. again, it's back to, um, there's that really amazing one, isn't there, that, I'm trying to think where it is. I saw it recently on a David Attenborough documentary that it's like a bird of paradise. Now, they are amazing. Oh my God, they're so good. Because they're, none of them are the same. I just did a burp on the microphone. That's really so I didn't notice. And gorgeous. If it's, it was intense. a bird noise. It was the noise of a I'll bird. Put, I'll just edit a bird it was noise, the noise over yeah. it. Um, th- there's that amazing one that I, I love a bird that's transformative. And I love it that what I really like about those birds of paradise, in, um, mainly in Australia, and they're also on a lot of weird islands, aren't they? Is that I love the fact that the guy, the male of the species, is always this sort of like over-the-top flamboyant decadent almost a little bit sort of French Renaissance, you know? They're really like, <laughs> they're really over the top. And then the woman is, and then the female bird of paradise is just a brown bird. <laughs> and she's always really like nonchalant and be like, meh. And they spend all their time, deco- so there's this one I remember seeing that he collects, he, he spent, spends weeks foraging and collecting and getting leaves and, and offer, almost like offerings, yeah? Making this whole situation and then just lays there and opens up his plume of feathers um, to, 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 decor- to show that he's the most handsome, gorgeous, inviting bird of paradise. And then it, all of that just for a quick shag. You know, bearing in mind that they don't enjoy it, just he doesn't get anything out of it. It's like, what is it? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's craziness. It's well, that, that's the, it's much like, like the gay scene, really. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're all trying to like, oh yeah, look at me, choose me, but no one's getting babies. No one's getting, no one's getting impregnated. The oh next my God. morning, you still, you still feel the that same. That makes emptiness. me just, I'm just a bird of paradise, <laughs> dragging leaves from bit to bit. That's why this is all. This is this is like therapy. I realised that actually I'm nothing more than a bird of paradise from Papua New Guinea, just dragging weird acorns <laughs> to my nest so that people will shag me in the hope yeah, that. that that's an original acorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love them. I mean, I listen, it will always come back to the rainbow larky for me, but also the swan. I love. I. So is it true that a swan makes can for break life. our arm? Oh, yeah, that. I mean, I'm, what, in a, res- in a wrestling match or like 
like arm, arm wrestle. wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I reckon, you know. If you attacked a swan, it could break your arm. I saved a swan once. So I used to live in Hackneywick and um, on the canal again. I, I, it's weird, actually. It's very weird. I just, you just gravitate towards it's water. It's so strange, actually. It's, and it's just hit me. I do very often move near water. I feel most at home. They feel very calm when I can hear birds. Um, but these swans had obviously had their, their young and they'd moved, moved in. They moved in below. They'd taken number 22. They just picked up the keys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so these swans were below me. Anyway, this one morning I heard this terrible noise. Looked down and this swan was, it, it obviously it got his, his um, I was going to say his leg, wing. his wing. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> you know that thing. Caught on something and it was really damaged, but the, the people below in the apartment below were trying to help it, but it was trying to attack them. You don't want a swan to attack you. No, so it could break your arm. This bit was getting more <clears throat> nervous, and then the, its mate came and was going ballistic, just attacking anyone on a path near that was passing. So I called the RSPB that came out, and we had to go down, and they, it was, oh my God, to, to, to capture a swan when the mate is not there. There was a really like long and stressful experience, but they got rid of it. And um, in the nicest, in sense. the nice way. And it freaked me for, so for weeks after that, I was so worked up. I would phone them and I'd say, you know, you left its mate and they mate for life. And it was really bothering me because that's something they that- They mate for life. Yes, swans, birds of paradise, lots of birds, they mate Penguins. for life. Penguins. Penguins, a lot Penguins of birds mate for life. Now. There's something in that as well, because I, 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 I would love to be able to mate for life. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. I know. I know. But so I, I love penguins because they mate for life. I know, right? And I was telling you this story earlier where and they always my, find girlfriend each and other. I, my girlfriend and I love penguins because we think they're like the most romantic animal. And whenever we go to like the, the zoo or when we go to like aquariums and stuff and they have penguins, we like, it's the romance of it. It's so romantic. It's ro um, we were at the aquarium in New York. It's like in um, on Coney Island. It got a bit destroyed by the hurricanes. They're okay. still re rebuilding it. And we went, and they had like a little penguin enclosure. And there's these, there's these two penguins, and they were so adorable. And they were like holding little like wings. Uh, here, look. And one of them, I was telling you this earlier. One of them had like a, they like had like it had like a like manky patch on it. We're like, what's wrong with that penguin? And we asked the like zookeeper, we're like, what's wrong with the penguin's fur? And she literally looked at us like Disgust. we were fucking stupid and went, birds have feathers. Yeah, so New York, <laughs> so New York. But here's the thing, this is why I've said it right at the beginning of this podcast, we could all learn a lot from birds, mm -hmm. you know? They see the world in a bigger way than we ever do. They can fly, they love unquestionably and they're loyal for life. Right, and they adapt. They are the most adaptable creatures. Who thought? They grow new wombs. They grow new bloody wombs. They have whole, you know, they have me turn around and say, Mona, Mr. Magpie, just, just by being. They are amazing creatures, amazing. And we should never forget that about a bird. Did that swan get returned to? It, uh, it did. So this is the, oh. okay, so I wouldn't give up on this. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> wouldn't. So I phoned them, phoned them. Anyway, they bought the swan. They, this is amazing, the RSPB, right? They phoned me to say they were returning the swan. I called in sick from work. 
They were returning the swan to the, the place where it was um, damaged. They returned the swan. This is no word of a lie. When they returned it, I watched her. She swam, she swam. She did like crazy figure eights, looking really distressed. And her partner came back and found her. And I stood there, chain smoking, clutching my pearls and sobbing on my balcony. <laughs> And I just thought, I want to be a swan! <laughs> but it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day for, well, mainly for the swans, but I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any more bird facts before we wrap um, up? I don't think I do. No. No. That was great. Birds. Thank you so much. Oh, I love it. I could, I mean, I could, there's more. Owls devour their prey whole, by the way. <laughs> You know that. We because haven't even talked about owls. We haven't even Okay, so let me tell you about owls. So the, the amazing thing about an owl, if you look at just the way that they're built, their neck is actually the widest point in their body. So, um, which is why, the, like, if you, the, their whole build is on that, that neck, you know, they can turn their body. So they don't have to, there's no dislocation in their jaw, an owl. So they, they do devour their prey whole. They, they catch it, and then they tip it, and then it's I can gone. make a really good owl noise. Go on. Okay. <laughs> oh, that is good. Oh, my God, I do have a bloody amazing owl fact, Jane. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that the sound of that owl fact. So, I remember this one time when um, I was a bit out of work, and my sister works for um, a recruitment agency in Bristol and Swindon, and it's like recruiting people that work in... Um, factory lines making caravans it's, you know it's quite down there so we all went on our team christmas outing and we went to this uh this and i was living in london at the time but i was not doing very well so i would pick up work in bristol and just go down there and work anyway so we go to this place this this sort of town and country lodge right mm -hmm. down near reading so we're there anyway we find out in the day as part of the activities that we they have a falconry center i am over the moon over the moon. Go to this falconry centre, holding all the animals, and I'm kissing the owls, I'm kissing the falcons, and I really felt this connection. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I've been drinking a lot that day. <laughs> a hell of a lot. So anyway, as the day progresses, we go out, we go to the disco. I don't know what... I'm not very like the best drinker. I can't sustain for a longer period of time. So I've been drinking, drinking loads, and then in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go back to the hotel room, but I'm going to take... Now, I'm going to get... I'm going to take steal an owl <laughs> you know what it's like when you're really pissed it's like it's just well a i thought it would be a good story and b i just thought it'd be i wanted to now so anyway so i get there <coughs> i get there and i think to myself well i'm not going to be able to get in the falconry center and the doors were open i get in get the glove on like tiptoeing around get to the owl as i go to like get the owl to get on the falconry glove because you can see, it was kind of pitch black, but you could see where everything was. Yeah. As that happens, all the lights come on and the man just went, absolutely not. And you won't be the first. <laughs> so obviously people try and steal the owls <laughs> and I just ripped off the club and ran out. And I've never tried to steal a bird since. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, can you imagine had I stolen this owl and then taken it back to my town and country lodge, which I was sharing a hotel room. So I would have... You know, my, I think with my little sister, my little sister would have come in and I'd been like, meet Chuck. And like there would have been just an owl on top of the wardrobe. It's ridiculous. <laughs>
So um, I never got the owl. And it would have been a blessing. It would have been the worst thing ever. <laughs> so never stole the owl. Yeah. I was trying to think of a like owl pun or joke to end. Yeah. Come on, you've always got a pun. No, right? I was going to say something like, "Thanks, Gwyn. This chat was a massive owl." <laughs> Ah, uh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> a massive thanks to Glyn. You've been listening to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater and original music by Seams. Please do subscribe for more podcasts. There's a new one every Friday. Follow us on Twitter at Talk the Line. And if you like us, please leave us a glowing review. See you next week. <laughs>